as we come to your word in our time of worship, Lord, we want to receive from you what you have for us. So open our eyes to behold the wonderful things of your word. Might that innermost part of our being be ready and receptive to your precious word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what your uh, typical morning routine is like, but a typical morning for me goes something like this. I'm going to get up. I, uh, first thing I do is take a shower to wake myself up. Uh, I, I need that, uh, so I uh, get myself awake. I go make a cup of coffee, uh, and then I, I sit in a chair in our living room, and uh, there I read my Bible and I pray. And many of you do the same. In fact, there was a um, there was a survey. I think it's a it's a five year old survey now, but that survey revealed that fifty five percent of Americans claim that they pray daily. Fifty five percent. So let me ask you this morning: how, How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life this morning? There are I, I readily confess many obstacles uh, to to prayer. Um, there's just, there's just so many things pressing in upon us, the, the busyness of, of life. It's, we live full lives, and it is very easy for, for prayer to just find a difficulty, to find a place in all that busyness. There's lots of distractions. Um, maybe some of your experience has been, you know, I pray, and it just doesn't seem anything that I ever pray for happens. Well, this morning, really what I want to do in, in, in just this time we have in, in the Word is I'd like to really get to the motive question this morning, the motive question, and the, and the motive question is why? Um, why do you pray? I mean, why, why do 55% of Americans pray daily? Why? Um, now, I, I can't answer for you. And I can't answer for all those other people out there who, who participated in that survey. I can, I can only answer for, for, for myself. And, and I would say, in all honesty, the, the answer to the why question, it, it, could be, it could be different on different days of the week. That's just in all honesty. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's times... When my motive to pray barely rises above, got to do it. I mean, I'm a pastor. <laughs> Pastors are supposed to pray. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be a, a good, faithful Christian, and, and that's what good, faithful Christians do. You know, and so there's, there's some days, and, and honestly, get in there and get in that chair and, and pray, because that's what, that's what good Christians do. And, and how can you how can you not do this? And and you know, and, and these are battles of the mind. How can you not do this and be thinking that you're a you're a good Christian? <clears throat> Some days, it you know it, it barely rises above duty. Or sometimes it might barely rise above doing a discipline. We talk about spiritual disciplines in in our lives and and the importance of them. Um. And, and one of the things that, we, that we've tried to do here within, within our own church in the, in the process of trying to make disciples is we've had um, growth groups, discipleship groups, and, and one of the characteristics of, the, of those groups has been accountability. 
and uh, one of the accountability areas has to do with spiritual disciplines, and so those who are in those groups are, are open and, and willing to be asked and to answer questions of, of spiritual disciplines in their life, like, are you in the Word of God regularly? Are, are, are you praying? And, and even, what are you praying for? Um, are, are you sharing Christ with anybody? Or is there anyone on your, on your prayer list that you are praying for every day that they might come to know Christ? Or did, did, did you have opportunities since the last time you met to, to have opportunity to bear witness? We asked, asked those kinds of questions. And, and, and somehow, knowing that you're going to have to answer those questions the next time you get together with that group <laughs> can, can stir a little bit. You know what, I better, I better go do this because I don't want to have to sit you know, with those other people in that group and say, nope, nope, and nope. And, and so, the, uh, the whole disciplines and accountability. And, and as, as I thought about that, it seems to me sometimes that, that, that most of our typical motivations to pray can be, can be negative. Like, what will happen if I don't do that? Instead of positive, what will happen if I do? <laughs> what will happen? What might happen if I really gave myself? to time with the Lord. What, would, what might happen if I really gave myself to, to prayer? Well, as we talk about motive, just in these moments this morning, I want to offer something more than ought and gotta. <laughs> I, I guess I'd say I want to offer the motive of wanna. <laughs> would you open to, to Mark? Uh, our scripture reading is in Mark 1, and we, and right now in our scripture readings, we're, we're in the process of just of reading through the gospel of Mark, so just, just getting started. But we're going to go a little bit beyond where, where, the, where the text was this morning in Mark chapter 1. And so I'd invite you to, to, to look in, in your, your copy of God's word to Mark chapter 1. And uh, one verse in particular, but I think it's helpful to see a couple verses that lead up to that. So Mark chapter 1. And uh, actually, this will be read in the Sunday morning service. I, I think it's not next week, but probably the week after that. So we, we do what we're doing around here. So unless you think that we have a little bit of uh, uh, amnesia going on around here, we don't. My, uh, Mark chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse 32. At the evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him, and this is referring to Jesus, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together, the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Jesus prayed. Probably not a revolutionary word to you this morning. But Jesus prayed. In this particular account, on, on this occasion, it said in the morning, having risen a long while before day, he did this. And I read the verses before because I wanted you to see what, what happened the, the day before this morning. It's been a long day. A full day of ministry, and in fact, it wasn't until the evening that all of a sudden, they're, they're like the whole town, the whole city, they're, they're, they're at the door of the house where Jesus is seeking his help. 
seeking that he would heal and that he would restore. And, and, and it went late into the night. I think that's the sense of, of what we're reading here. It, it, went, it went late into the night. And then he gets up the, early the next morning after that very long day, after that very late night. He's up in the morning. I'm sure Jesus was tired at the end of that day. Um, and, and yes, Jesus needed to sleep. I think we need to put that into our minds. It's part of being human. Part of being human is that we, we need rest and we have to sleep. In fact, I heard a speaker a few months ago point out the fact that you realize that as human beings that we have to sleep about a third of our life just to survive. Just to survive. We need sleep. Jesus needed sleep. He was tired. But before the, the light of, of, of day began even to glow on the horizon... We're told that he got up and he went off alone to pray. And, and you might think, well, you know, yeah, what's the big deal? No, no big deal for him. He's God. And shoot, God can do anything. God can do everything. And uh, I mean, God never sleeps, right? I mean, we read that in the scriptures. God never sleeps and God never slumbers. And so, of course, of course, Jesus could work so late into the night and like get up so early in the morning you know, without a problem because he's, he, he's God. And, and, you know, and, and no wonder he could, you know, it's not a problem to have that, that long day and that, that short night. And it's like if we think that, it's almost as if we're saying that, that having late, tiring days and nights and getting up really early in the next morning to pray, well, that's something only God could do. That's something only God could do. No. No. Jesus was tired. Jesus needed sleep. He'd had a late night. He had expended energy galore in ministering to people. And yet that next morning, before light even broke, he was up and he was before his father in prayer because prayer was a vital part of the life of Jesus. You read many places throughout the Gospels of Jesus' prayer life. We're told, for example, after feeding the 5,000, perhaps you're acquainted with that miracle, that, that after that, Jesus sent the crowds away and he sent his disciples uh, off on their way and it says he departed to a mountain to pray. And, and we're told in the Gospels that, that as Jesus' ministry was really beginning to pick up and multitudes were coming to, to, to obviously we saw the text here, coming to be healed, but, but multitudes were coming to listen to him, to hear what he had to, to say, to hear what he had to preach. And, and, and the Gospel writer says that it was, that it was in, in light of that that he himself often would withdraw into the wilderness. He would find that lonely place to pray. He would withdraw Get alone to pray. We're told of the occasion in the Gospels that he went, when he went up to the mountain to pray, and we're told there that he continued all night. He prayed all night. Why did he do this? Why did he do this? 
Why did Jesus pray? Why did he pray so much? Why, why was it so much, if you will, ingrained and intertwined in, in, into the totality of his life and of his ministry? Perhaps we might say, well, I mean, that's what religious people do. Religious people pray. I mean, what, what religion are we acquainted with that, that does not have some kind of, of expression of prayer as a part of its of its ritual or practice. And so religious people pray. I mean, the teachers of Jesus' day would pray. Rabbis would, would pray. And, and certainly as you, as you work your way in, in scriptures, you can go back into the Old Testament and you'll find that righteous men and women prayed. Prayer prayer has always marked out those who trust in God. Prayer has always marked out those who seek to to live a life to please him. So so is that why Jesus prayed? Yes, but there's, there's more. Was it because he wanted to teach his followers to pray? I mean, Again, that's what teachers would do. That's what rabbis would do that day. They would, they would not only give verbal instruction, but they were trying to impart, if you will, practices and skills into, into their followers. And in fact, there, there came that day when, when one of Jesus' disciples came to him and, and said, Lord, Lord, would you teach us to pray? I mean, John, John taught his disciples to pray. Would you do that for us? I mean, that is what good teachers do and and so lord we would would you do for us what john did for his followers so in that context jesus proceeded to give them some instruction but 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 you you see throughout the gospels that there were often those times when 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 jesus was praying and the disciples were observing him in fact on that particular occasion it said that when he had that when he had uh, concluded his prayer time is is when the disciple came and asked that question of him so he prayed, and yes, in his praying, he, he gave them an example of how to pray, and he illustrated for them the need to pray. So, so is that why Jesus prayed? Well, again, I would say yes, and, and, and I, would all, I would follow that up with this. I mean, if, if Jesus is the one whose likeness Christians are being formed into, are we becoming like him in prayer? Are we following in the footsteps of Jesus as, as one who prayed? Are we learning, are we learning to, to see prayer be in our lives, what prayer was in his life? Are, are, we, are we observing what prayer was like in the life of Jesus, even as we read through the Gospels? And is there, is there evidence of that growing in our lives? I mean, if we're becoming like Christ, it seems like one of the ways in which we would become like Christ is in his life of prayer. Are we following that example? So did he pray to, to teach his followers and provide for his followers an example? Yes. But there's still more. There's still more as to why Jesus prayed. Because you, you realize, you know, example is important. Providing example as teachers and even as parents, providing as example is important. But you, you all realize, don't you, that example can be put on. 
and not actually be from the heart. I mean, I can do something I don't want to do, but I do it anyway because I realize I need to set an example. So it's very possible, let's say I'm in, a, I'm in one of these growth groups or discipleship groups, it's very possible for me to do the spiritual disciplines, not because I, not because I want to, but because I know I better or, or I might be in trouble. Or as a parent, you know, so the old, the old proverbial, you know, eat your vegetables thing. Well, how can you tell your kids to eat their vegetables if you don't eat them? So you choke them down, you know, with a smile on your face so that they will do likewise. So we all know that we can do things by example that really are not from the heart. That we really are pretending. So example is important even in prayer, but if, but if, we, simp- if we simply say that, 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 that Jesus' prayer life was only for the purpose of, of being an example to us, there's a sense in which we are saying his prayer life really was for pretend. It wasn't authentic. It, he was just doing something so that we could see how to do it. Well, if, if Jesus' prayer life was only for, exa- for an example, I'm wondering why did he go off alone so often to do it? I mean, if, if example, if being an example is where it's at, it seems like he should have gotten Peter, James, and John up. It, it seems they needed to learn something about how to stay awake during a prayer meeting. It seems like maybe he should have taken them along with him a little bit more so that they might learn that lesson. Now, there's... There's something more to Jesus' prayer life that we can't overlook. And that's what I want us to, this is what I want us to take with us. Listen, Jesus prayed because he needed to. Jesus prayed because he needed to. Yes, I said he needed, he needed to pray. There, there was nothing pretend in Jesus' prayer life. There was nothing he was just putting on. Jesus prayed of necessity. He prayed of necessity. And, and that maybe in our, in our ears sounds a little bit contradictory because we're saying, well, wasn't he God? And, and God doesn't need anything. Yes, he was God, but he was also man. We've celebrated that in the season we've just come through. Christmas is about God coming in human flesh God taking on a human nature, God becoming one of us. He became, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became fully human. And when he did that, he voluntarily took on the limitations of being a human being. There is mystery in all of that, but eternal, infinite God limited himself to a body of flesh as he became one of us, and he took on the limitations of being a human being. He did not cease to be God, but his divine nature was voluntarily put into the constraints of being a human being. And, and so all of a sudden, Jesus, the Son of God, and God is a, is, a, is, a, is a being whose presence is everywhere, all of a sudden he's restricted to a location. He took on flesh, he took on a body, and and the Son of God was where that body was. He restricted himself to location. He got tired. He needed to sleep. 
Because humans get tired and they need to sleep. He got hungry. And he needed to eat. He felt pain. We're told in the scriptures he went through, he went through the process of growing up. Which boggles our minds. He relinquished the prerogative of what we call omniscience. And by omniscience, it's simply a term that means God knows, God, God knows everything. Everything, past, present, future, actual, possible. He knows it all. Jesus relinquished the prerogative of omniscience and went through the process of learning. He went through the process of growing intellectually. He matured physically, growing from infant to boy to adult. Though he was divine, he grew spiritually as he was taught and as he learned God's law, as he went to synagogue, as he went up to the temple, and as he was exposed and was into the word of God, he learned and he grew and he grew into trusting God his Father. We're told that he grew socially, he grew relationally. I mean, he had, he had siblings. Scriptures seem to be pretty clear that Mary and Joseph had, had children. After Jesus had been born, he had, he had siblings that he grew up with, that he interacted with. No doubt Jesus learned a trade from his father and worked, learned how to interact with people in, in a workplace. And then we know as he headed into ministry, he, he, he interacted with all kinds of people, social interaction, and he, and he grew. The scriptures say he, he grew and he matured in, in those areas. Now, without a doubt, without question, he was perfect. He never sinned, but the scriptures are equally clear. He grew. He grew, and he matured. He was God, but he was also human. He was the God-man, a unique person, no one else like Jesus, 100% God, but 100% human brought together in the person of Jesus Christ. He was as human as Adam. He was as human as Abraham, Moses, and David. He was as human as you and me. And as a human, he was as dependent as we are. We read in the Gospels that throughout his earthly life and ministry, Jesus was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, in, the, in the, uh, the, the birth narratives of Jesus, we're told it was the Holy Spirit who was, who was the agent of bringing about this miraculous conception in the womb of Mary. The, the, if you will, the agent of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who descended upon Jesus at his baptism. And from that point on, Jesus is spoken of as being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're told it was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted. And when he returned, we're told it was the power of the Holy Spirit in which he began to serve. And it was the, in the power of the Holy Spirit that he ministered. And Jesus' own testimony was that the Holy Spirit was upon him for the ministry that he had been given to do. And thus, we conclude that Jesus' whole life was lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. He depended 
on the Holy Spirit. And that dependence was most clearly expressed in Jesus' prayer life. So it's important to get that picture because often I think we can have the picture that, you know, here's, here's the eternal Son of God came down, took on human flesh, and here is the eternal Son of God with all of that divine power, you know, and he's just sort of exercising all that divine power, all that, that divine wisdom through this, this human body that he's taken on. And, and actually I think the scriptures would say, well, no, no, the Son of God came and he took on human flesh. He became one of us. And he, he took on the limitations of being one of us. And it was through the working of the Spirit of God within him that he did what he was given to do. So why did he need to pray? Why did he need to pray? Well, I think in the scriptures, and as we look at the example of Jesus, we see that, that he, needed, he needed divine fellowship. Jesus needed divine fellowship. That text in Mark says he went off to a solitary place. He, he went there to be alone with God, which, which stands in, in, in contrast to the, the busy day prior where the whole city was at the door. Here he is alone with God. But this wasn't alone time for him to introvert. It's not what this was about. It was time to fellowship. It was time to commune with his father. For Jesus, prayer was fellowship with his father. Prayer was communion with his father. He needed that. It was his means of experiencing the fellowship that had been his for all eternity as a member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For all eternity, they have loved and glorified and fellowshiped and been joyful together. And through prayer, Jesus was drawn once again into the experience of that fellowship he'd known for all eternity. Only now, here on this earth, he depended on the Holy Spirit in order that he might fully participate in that fellowship. He was on earth in human flesh. He was not in heaven. He was away from home. Prayer connected him with home and granted him that fellowship that was so precious to him, that was such a source of joy to him. Prayer was was the means by which he experienced that. So he prayed because he needed the divine fellowship. But he also prayed because he needed divine guidance. Yeah, Jesus needed divine guidance. When he took on human nature with its limitations, as I just said, he voluntarily relinquished omniscience. So in this earthly life, listen, Jesus walked by faith. He walked by faith. He trusted his father. To do his Father's will, Jesus needed guidance. And it would be wrong to assume that he knew every detail of his Father's will from the beginning of his life and ministry or before it unfolded day by day. As he grew, he came to a clear awareness of who he was and and he knew that he was here to do his Father's will. And And he knew that it would entail his death. And suffering, and he knew that it would entail because God promised resurrection. But Jesus did not arrive here on this earth with every day pre scheduled and put before him. He did not come with his daytimer filled in by, by, by the Father. So, yeah, you, yeah, look ahead. Yeah, in about 18 months, and they say, see what's going to be going on that day? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't given that. He was not born with 
the omniscience of what his earthly life would entail in its every detail. He didn't have the four Gospels in his hands like we do. We read the Gospels and we see everything. He didn't have that. He didn't have that. He learned. He grew. He needed the guidance of his Father in order to know the will of the Father and in order to do the will of his Father because Jesus knew that his one purpose in coming was to do the will of the Father. Whatever that was. And everything that that was. He didn't know every detail of the future, but he trusted his father who did. How did he receive that guidance? Prayer. Why do you think he was constantly going to to his father? Why, Why do you think he so desperately needed those signs? Why do you think no matter how busy he was, no matter what the crowds were, no matter what the demands were for his time, that he found a way to get away from that, alone, to be with his father, to pray. He needed guidance. Why did he pray? Well, Jesus needed divine empowerment. He needed empowerment. See, Jesus lived a life of obedience to and dependence upon God. And in his earthly life, Jesus voluntarily relinquished omnipotence, the exercise of his divine power. And he became dependent not only for guidance to know God's will, but also for empowerment to do God's will. This is, this is Jesus, the God-man. He needed divine empowerment. When he became a man, he voluntarily made himself dependent. Jesus didn't exercise his own power If he did, why are the Gospels so clear of talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon him in power? If Jesus did everything that was his, if you will, by his divine nature, he had no need for the Holy Spirit. But part of the humiliation of his incarnation of becoming one of us is taking on all the limitations of being one of us and putting himself in a place of absolute dependence on God, his Father, to provide all that he needed to know and to do the work that he was given to, including power to do the ministry he was able to do. Jesus didn't exercise his own power. Doesn't mean he didn't have it. He voluntarily relinquished the prerogatives of divine power and made himself dependent on the power that would be provided for him through the Holy Spirit. I mean, if... If it was his to exercise whenever he wanted, then why did he say this? You know, guys, you know, when, when he was being arrested, you know, guys, I, I, I could just call and ask the Father to send a legion of angels to deliver me. Well, why did he even say that? Why couldn't Jesus do, just do that? Why couldn't Jesus just do that? I mean, for that matter, why couldn't Jesus just flatten the crowd? Because that's not the life he lived. He, he limited himself. He voluntarily limited himself and made himself dependent upon the Father, dependent upon the power that the Father would provide. Jesus performed miracles, but Jesus performed. This is, not everyone agrees with this, and I really have thought through this my whole ministry. In fact, this was, a, this was an ordination question for me. And however many years later after my ordination, I've not changed my mind on this. I've not been persuaded elsewhere. Jesus performed his miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
not his own. He performed his miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why the Holy Spirit was given to him. Was given to him. Jesus needed divine empowerment. How did he receive that power? Well, he received that power as he would spend time before the Father, understanding what the will of the Father was for him to do. And God, I'm going to, Father, I'm going to need, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your strength. Grant to me that I might be able to do this. Grant to me that, that, that Lazarus might be raised from the dead, that they might see your glory. He needed divine empowerment. That's why the Spirit was given to him. But you know, Jesus prayed because he also needed divine comfort and reassurance. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he agonized in prayer as he faced the horror of what was before him. But he surrendered to the will of his Father. See, see Jesus personally knew the importance of of the warning he gave to his disciples when he said to them, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Jesus has been there. The words of of Hebrews 5, 7 are penetrating to this effect. We read this in Hebrews 5, 7. In the days of his flesh, that's the days of Jesus' incarnation, he's here on this earth, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, that's, that is praying with intensity. That is praying with weeping. That is praying with tears streaming down his face. When Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. This is not a person whose motive for praying is simply to be an example. You know, it's not like on Jesus' prayer syllabus that one of his objectives was to pray with vehement cries and tears. This is real stuff. This is real agony of soul. These are real tears streaming down his face. This is real human anguish. This isn't simply praying to be an example. This is praying of necessity. See, Jesus prayed because he depended on prayer. I'm willing to go a step further with that and say that Jesus would not have been able to do the Father's will in the power of the Spirit apart from prayer. It's the life he lived. And neither can you. Neither can I. If Jesus needed to pray, what does that say about us? You can't experience a real Christian life apart from prayer. After all, it begins with prayer for God to be merciful and save you. 
calling out to him. You can't follow Jesus apart from prayer. You can't know or do the will of God apart from prayer. There are blessings you will not experience apart from prayer. There are battles you will not win apart from prayer. There are doors that will not open apart from prayer. And there are ways you will not be used by God apart from prayer. Are you okay with that? If not, Jesus invites you to join him in prayer. What if if you viewed prayer as an invitation from Jesus to join him in prayer? Jesus has portrayed as many things to us. He certainly is our Savior and our Lord and, and, and Master and King. But you know, one of the portrayals of Jesus is like our big brother. What if, we, what, if we, what if we joined our big brother who we really look up to, who we really admire, who's, who's just there for us? What if we accepted his invitation to join him in doing what is so important to him? And that's to pray. You see, Jesus lived a real human life here on this earth. Jesus has lived your life. He's been where you are. He's faced temptation like you face temptation. He's felt what you feel. The sorrow, the loneliness, the frustration, the disappointment. He's he's needed help like you need help. And he prayed to God, his father, about those very things. And he invites you to join him. And he's the one who's made it possible for you to do that. Through his perfect obedience to to his father. And through his victory on the cross. You know, with the new year, I've gotten several invitations to go get back to the gym and one of the things they're trying to do is entice me with special offers. I, I know it would be good for me to go back to the gym and get back into that exercise routine. Is it necessary to go and do that? Mm, no. Would it be good? Yeah. Sometimes I think we treat prayer like that. Definitely good for me. Maybe not necessary. For Jesus, it was necessary. 
And so he prayed. And he invites us to join him. Why did Jesus pray? Because he needed to. And so do we. Help us, Lord. To join our Savior, who certainly has given us the example, but his example flowed out of a a real life of dependence upon you. A real life of facing the vulnerabilities of being a human being walking in this world. A real human being who needed what only you could provide. We need Christ. We need Jesus for our salvation. We need Jesus for our prayer life. So draw us to him. Might we accept his invitation to come to him. To come to him and find rest and salvation. Come to him to find rest for our souls. Come to him to find all the resource we need. We might know you, serve you, honor you, glorify you. God, we need you. And so we offer even this prayer. Help us, we pray. Meet us in our point of need this morning. For the glory of our Savior, we ask this. Amen.